Happy Easter, everyone. One of the problems in our Australian culture is that we tend to get to the moment and then think it's over. But traditionally, Easter lasts for seven weeks till Pentecost. Pentecost meaning 50. Think about it. 50 days is kind of like seven weeks plus one. That's a good idea. So uh, between Easter and Pentecost is the Easter season. We're in Easter season. And I was just reflecting, uh, I don't know, four o'clock this morning when I couldn't sleep, uh, on just how ridiculous it would be if someone was looking up in the sky and they were looking for fish. Or someone was at the Olympics, 100 metres final, and they've got their uh, binoculars trained on the starting blocks, but the, the gun has already been fired. And of course, Usain Bolt has already passed through the finals. He's the one with the flag around him, you know, the Jamaican flag, and he's getting all the cheers. And, and to look there is just so nine and a half seconds ago. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And I was just reflecting on the angel. The women came to the tomb and the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Uh, yeah, one time, sure, there was this time that that made sense, but that is not the resurrection time. So I say happy Easter for the next several weeks still. Let me explain my crutch. Anyone notice the crutch? It's a little obvious, isn't it? I, uh, let me think, 11 days ago, had a major operation on my hip, three and a bit hours operation. I worked out there were eight people in the room, including myself. Uh, I was a little passive. Um, but uh, major operation on my hip. And uh, I, I, normally these operations, you would uh, spend a week in hospital, a week or two in rehab. Uh, I was out the next day. And I was, I was on, on uh, two crutches for one day and then on one crutch ever since then. And... Now I'm going to pick it up and get back to my chair later, but I can kind of get around like this. Um, it's been an incredible uh, healing, really, just so quickly. That's one part of the story. There are always two parts of a story. Let me tell you the other part of the story. I had this doctor who went to America years ago after years of orthopedic surgeon training and did further training on how to do a major hip operation, replacement of the hip, but with minimal invasion. It sounds bizarre, doesn't it? So the other people in the, in the ward with me the next day after my surgery were getting around and they were, they'd been in hospital a week with the same operation, but a different surgeon, a different technique. And what I was reflecting on was when you tell two stories of the gospel, you can tell it about how you've experienced it, what, what has been your experience, but there's another part of the story. You've got to tell the story of the gospel that, that has this clarity about the amazing doctor, Jesus who has done for us what we could not do. You know, the only reason I know what happened in that operation was because I could see the video on the doctor's uh, website as to what happened to me at that time. I was completely unconscious. I knew nothing of what was going on. And yet there were, there were all these people around, you know, doing things, and anaesthetists and nurses and doctors and se things separating tendons and all the sort of amazing work that went on. And there's both the subjective reality of my experience of that operation, post the event. I, I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. Do you remember that one in, in the Bible, that guy? I, I don't know how this happened. I was blind, and now I see. I don't know how it happened, except for the video. I couldn't walk very well before. I had this terrible pain around my hip and all this area here. But, but I'm on, very much on the way to walking very normally again. How did that happen? Well, it's about the doctor's competence. So important when we talk about the gospel is that we remember to tell the story from both sides. This is what happened to me. 
go to that doctor. I'm, I'll recommend him later. If you've got problems with the hip, come and see me. I know the doctor. So important. And so important, too, we're going to be looking today at the idea of forgiveness. And so important for us to untangle the different elements of what's going on, what's happening inside of us in the concept of forgiveness, and what's going on in terms of the public declaration, uh, the, the public engagement, the way we relate to other people, and the role that God has in all of that. Blessings. So when we think about the gospel, we think about Christian stuff, we need to be able to think through all these different elements. And we need to be able to do it. And we're going to do some of that today. We're in this year of building authentic community. And uh, what we want to try and do is get the building blocks for that. We've been looking at a whole bunch of things. And this concept of one another's. There are a whole bunch of these things. A little phrase Paul uses again and again in, in his letters. He writes to the Christians and think about one another, think about one another. And, and he has these little things that he tells them. This one today we're looking at is forgive one another. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And what I want to do is, is uh, look at some of the kind of structure of this. How do we think about it? How do we understand it? First thing I want to say is that families are great, but we learn good things and bad things in families. And we have to untangle that as we grow up. And part of our, our maturing as a person, but also our, our discipleship, our maturing as a Christian person, is to try and work out what things did I learn from my family that was good and what things did I learn from my family that was bad. And, of course, we go to the Scriptures to make the judgment about that. And this area of forgiveness is a really critical one. I've said before uh, in sermons, I wasn't taught how to apologise ever in my family. We just never apologised. We would just get grumpy at each other, and then we'd be grumpy still, and after a while we'd just get on with it. I never, never heard anyone apologise. So that was a big thing for me to learn to do that, because that's kind of a Christian concept, isn't it? First of all, sorry God, but then to take that next step to say sorry to others. So for me, that was an enormous learning. And for each of us, we'll have different things we've got to learn, and perhaps for you too, around this area of what does forgiveness actually look like? What does apology look like? What does forgiveness look like? It is a vital thing that we understand our sin, how we've offended against God, how we've offended against our neighbour, that we understand what repentance looks like, to say sorry, and then what it looks like for them to offer forgiveness and for us to receive forgiveness. Or if it's the other way around, for us to offer forgiveness and them to receive forgiveness. This is a really critical part of us maturing, not just individually, but as a group. For authentic community, we need to get this stuff clear. And we need to distinguish some key ideas. So we're going to go on to this next little slide. And uh, I've got four ideas. We're going to focus particularly. I wonder, could I have this um, blower down a little bit? Who's got the control for that? Is that possible? It's just really <laughs> going to wear my throat out very quickly. Thanks, Jake. Sorry to do that. Yeah, thanks, if I can. If you get cold, just stand up and jump around a bit. But uh, this will, uh, this is a, a speaker's worst nightmare having a, a fan blowing right on your back. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, so I've got four ideas that I want us to think about, and there's a logical sequence to them. The first thing we want to think about is repentance. Repentance, that is to say sorry. Apologising for the harm you've done, for failing someone in uh, their reasonable expectations of you, for not living up to what you said you'd do, for uh, uh, causing some offence. 
Uh, and then repentance is to, to acknowledge that and then to turn back and seek forgiveness. And that's true for God, how we relate to him, and it's true for us with other people, how we relate to other people and how they relate to us. The second thing is forgiveness. Now, this is the other person. Once we've apologised, we look to them to forgive us. And this is a key concept right here. The first thing is it is an idea that we declare forgiveness. And I'm going to spend a bit more time on this. We're going to work on this concept. It's really important because there's a popular idea around that forgiveness is all about what happens inside of you. It's actually that's not right. We get ready to forgive inside of us, but forgiveness is a declaration. You have offended me. I forgive you. I have offended you. I look for you to forgive me and declare that forgiveness. That's a critical concept where they will say, I will no longer hold you guilty for what you've done. I will no longer hold punishment over you. You deserve that. That's, that's what happens when you break a relationship. You do the wrong thing. You deserve to be punished. I will no longer punish you. And in some strange and interesting way we'll explore today, I, I will take that punishment into myself as the forgiver, just like God did by Christ dying on the cross. So that's repentance by the one, forgiveness declaration, and then a reconciliation. This is where the two people come together to reconcile, to be friends. To be friends. Kids, I'm going to teach you a memory verse right now. What is this thing? What is that? Charlie, do you know? Oh, to be, you are right. This is the first word of the memory verse. There are four words in the memory verse. Be, that's the first word. And then I've got two hands, and they're not very friendly, so their backs are to each other, and they come together as friends. Be reconciled. When you become a friend, you're reconciled. Can you do this with me? Be reconciled. And then I'm going to hold up my two fingers for two. It's not the number two, but it's towards two. Two. So be reconciled. Two. And now God is the last word of the verse. And it's, I'm going to put a cross because the cross, we normally point up in the sky for God. Don't we? So the cross is where we are reconciled, become God's friends. So let's do it all together. Adults, come on, get into this. Be reconciled to God. Excellent. That is the memory verse. Reconciliation is about becoming friends. Oh, I'll tell you what the, uh, the address of this in the Bible. It comes from two, and then a big word starts with k, ends in Corinthians. <laughs> 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 15, 10, 15, 20, 25. It's something like 20, <laughs> 20, 20. That's what it is. Chapter 5, verse 20. That's 10, and that's another 10, 20. Got it? But it's in the second half of the verse, so that's we call the first half A and the second half B. B. Got it? Let's do it all together. Be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, B. Oh, you've got a verse already. That's reconciliation. At the cross, God made us friends with him. And amongst ourselves, we have this opportunity to become friends through repentance, through the declaration of forgiveness. And then the last thing is restoration. It's where you work out all the messy stuff. Now, in our, in our human existence, that can sometimes take years to work out what restoration looks like. It may involve all sorts of building of trust and all sorts of things. So, so difficult sometimes. 
Other times it just all falls into place. You know, if it's a small thing, a bump or something. Oh, sorry. Oh, apologies. No, no, you know, forgive. No worries. That's easy to give up, get, get through. But difficult, big things can take a long, long time within us and within our communities to work out. But this is the process that we're committed to as Christian people. Okay, I want to spend uh, uh, time in some groups now. And a uh, little group discussion. And uh, what I want you to do is get into groups of four. And we're going to take uh, like five, ten minutes on this. So a bit of time. And uh, groups of four adults. You can be five or six, especially if you don't kind of like talking much. Just get in a, make a bigger group. But if you're happy, four of you uh, is the minimum number. And you're going to each get a little page with a couple of um, verses on it. One will have one about repentance, another will have one about forgiveness, another about reconciliation, another about restoration. Uh, Marion here has got a little packs of four, so jump into a group of four, five or six and uh, have a look it up and then just read through your little bit quietly and then discuss it. Just summarise it, that's all we're going to do and then I'll bring you back and we'll talk some more. Okay, ready everybody, go! Make a motion. Move, move, move. Okay, let's finish it there. Um, we're going to get back into our groups after the uh, sermon and um, spend some time praying. So there may be things that have come out from that for you that you could be uh, just thinking about praying. One of the key concepts I want to get across, which is uh, very hard for us, I think, is to get the idea that forgiveness is a declaration. Uh, In the last uh, 30, 40 years in our kind of pop psychology world, uh, one of the ideas that's come up a lot is that uh, forgiveness is a thing that just you do within inside yourself. And it's actually often, I, I hear it, it's really a disguise for uh, killing the other person dressed up as a, a nice um, dealing with the issue. I'll show you how it works. They're not worth it. They've hurt you. They're not worth it. Just, just forgive them. Move on. See what my hand just did? Get rid of them. Uh, and, and that is a very popular idea. They're not worth it. Just forgive them and move on. Uh, Code word for kill them off in your own mind and be done with them and just free yourself of the anxiety, the hurt, the the difficulty. Now, free... Toby. Toby. (laughs) We forgive her. That's that's called in the Old Testament a a sin of... um, Naughtiness. No, a sin of not knowing. Um, very easy, you see, just to have this attitude that it's really all about me and whatever makes me comfortable, then I'll just do that. And to disregard the other person entirely is an okay thing. And why would I bother uh, creating all this angst within myself, suffering in this life because of that? And uh, there are some good reasons why you shouldn't uh, suffer in this life and create angst within yourself. But there's some other reasons why you ought to notice the difference in this biblical idea here. The call to us is not to forgive everyone. It's to forgive everyone when they repent. Now, to get to that point is incredibly difficult. To be actually able to to say, I am ready now to forgive you if you repent. Because that's how God treats us. That's the point here. God treats us that when we repent... Forgiveness comes. If you look at that, those verses in, in, on repentance, in relation to God, it's repent and believe and you'll be saved. And so when we're dealing with each other, the same thing uh, uh, exists. 
Now, this is not a cop-out. Oh, I don't have to forgive unless I repent. No, no, no. You have to be ready to forgive. And that is just as difficult, sometimes harder, than actually forgiving. Because it's harder. You don't actually get the joy of forgiveness. It is a wonderfully joyous thing to offer forgiveness and then to have reconciliation in a relationship. It's, it's, a, it's one of those delightful things God does that you pay this enormous cost to forgive and then you get the joy back of a, of a restored relationship. That's, that's the thrill of it. That's, the, that's the, the enormous bonus. If you've done it a few times, you kind of get ready and used to it. And so it's kind of easier to take the next step of discipleship to forgive the next person. So the thing to, to watch out for is that it's not just an internal process forgiveness. Those internal processes of reflecting on our own life and what's happened and our hurt and the difficulty of, of uh, paying the price within ourselves, of praying to God, God help me, remembering that he's forgiven me, therefore I'll seek to forgive. Going through that process takes a lot of time sometimes, a lot of energy, a lot of sometimes mutual Christian support to be able to do that. But, but then to be able to be ready, I stand ready to forgive. I have people in my life who decades ago have injured me and they have no intention of repenting and they know deeply what they've done wrong against me. I stand ready to forgive. It's an agony to say that. Things that really hurt really badly, it is an agony to get to that point. And you think about the model we have, the agony for God on the cross, that's what we're thinking about here. This is why the little phrase that God died to himself on the cross. It's why when Jesus says, take up your cross and die to yourself, forgiving people is part of that. There's a dynamic here which is so important that we grasp because otherwise we'll just have uh, you know, a pressure just to forgive everyone all the time, anytime, you know, just, oh, well, just forgive because it's really about my psychological comfort or getting rid of the issue or something like that. And so what we have to do is we have to work through these things and, and in community it's often the easiest way to do it because we'll get support and encouragement and prayer. We'll be guided by people who themselves have been through similar things. That's such an important part of it. So as we think about forgiveness, to get this concept that it's a declaration. I was at a conference of theologians. That means like people who teach at Bible colleges uh, about two years ago. And um, just chatting to one of the guys, I said, oh, you know, what are you working on? They're all people who are writing articles or working on books or something, you know, um, using it for their students. Anyway, this guy said, oh, working on a book on the biblical view of forgiveness. Really, I said, this is an interest point of mine for this very point. Because uh, I had a background in counselling and psychology. You know, that whole pop psychology thing is so influential. And so to see the scriptures has such a different view has been really a thing for me over decades. So I said, and really, what sort of angle are you taking? He was so sheepish. This tells you something, doesn't it? He was so sheepish. He was saying, what, what we're arguing, and we've got Old Testament scholars, New Testament scholars, and church historians all working through these issues, theologians all working through chapter after chapter after chapter, looking at the concept that forgiveness in the Bible is... A declaration, not a thing we just all have to go and do all the time, anytime. But we have to wait for repentance. We have to be ready to forgive. When repentance comes, we grant forgiveness. And the phrase I use, it's a public or a semi-public declaration. Now let me again, without the details, give you experience in my own life. When I have forgiven something big and difficult of somebody, I've had to sometimes go back and remind myself, I said that word. I granted that forgiveness. I cannot fall back into treating them as though they still are guilty. That, that's a hard cost. And you've got, to, you've got to work it. That's the internal work I've got to do again. But the forgiveness has been granted. I don't forgive again and again and again. No, no, I've forgiven them once. 
I meant at that time. And I go back and work on it and work on it and work on it so that we live out our relationship now on the basis repentance was made, forgiveness was granted, we have this new relationship. That's such an important dynamic. Now, bound up with this is the reality that some people will never repent. You might even come to them and tell them, like, like that uh, uh, verse, uh, you know, if you go to your brother and tell them they've sinned against you, and then you forgive them. When they repent, you forgive them. That's what the verse says. Uh, thank you for that song. That was good. Um, so that, that concept of when they repent, I forgive. I'm ready to forgive them when they repent. That's where we get to. But what if they don't repent? Then we take that to the grave with us. And that is right. There is a rightness that this world will not solve every problem. There's a rightness in how this world is constructed that Christ will have it all resolved at the end. But we will live with what the theologians call a kind of eschatological resolution. In the end, it will be resolved, but not now. Not in this life, maybe never in our own personal lives. And that's just part of the... That's the, the corruption of this world. That's the, the pain of this world. So it's when in, in Revelation 21 when it says, where a new heaven and new earth comes down, a new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. What is there? That's the point at which there's no more tears or crying or pain. Not for now. Sometimes it is. Praise the Lord. God wipes out tears and gets rid of the pain and does all that stuff. But not everything. And so that's part of the way we'll think Christianly about this. So reflect on forgiveness as a declaration on the basis of repentance. We'll move on to the next one. I'm just going to zip through the forgiveness line. What does it take? It takes dying to self. Jesus' death on the cross is the model. It's incredibly painful to forgive. And if it's not painful to forgive, then it's a pretty small thing. <laughs> Little things are hard to, get to forgive. Big things are really hard to forgive. And what we have to do inside ourselves is go, I am not going to want to kill you anymore. I'm not going to want to punish you anymore. I'm not going to want to dump upon you multiple times of what you did to me. Our natural instinct is to do the other. This is such a hard thing to forgive. That's why, you know, for us, it took Christ on the cross. It took God to die to self. It takes us to die to self. I will no longer be your judge. I will forgive. Now, we've got this double kind of thing going on because God has forgiven us. We're empowered to forgive others. Because we're not the ultimate judge. We trust that to God. That's a key concept. But we die to self. When there is repentance, we then declare the forgiveness. The sorts of things that help is just remembering God's forgiveness to us. Just again and again and again. God forgave me so I can forgive. God forgave me. If he could do that for my sin, surely I can forgive the lesser sin, even as great as it feels. And to have a readiness to repent of our own sins. Because often in a relationship where there's one has sinned, I find again and again, I go to a person and say, you've done this against me, and they say, you've done this against me. I go, yep, okay, there's a mutual sinning against each other. And who knows when it actually started, but very rarely is it all one direction. Sometimes it is, but it's usually a two-way thing where offence is given, offence is taken, offence is given, offence, it goes back and forth, and then there needs to be mutual repentance. In Colossians 3.13, he says, this is our key verse, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's a beautiful picture, absolutely beautiful picture of what our fellowship can be. 
uh, the idea of bearing with uh, each other, it just, it just says, just lower the intensity, would you? Just stop being hassling by everybody. You know, just, just chillax a bit. That's the idea. Bear with them. Put up with them. Don't see everything as a great sin against you and a great offence or something. You know, that's, that's a kind of ground rule for getting on together. But there are sins committed against us, and sometimes we commit against others. And those things need to be forgiven. They need, they need repentance, they need forgiveness, they need reconciliation and restoration. So there's two messages I think are beautiful sitting next to each other. Just put up with people, would you? But also recognise serious stuff has to be dealt with. Uh, it's not one category or the other. Forgiving one another, it assumes the repentance that we've been talking about, like God and us. A couple of easy mistakes, and we'll finish up. The uh, forgiveness, here's an easy mistake, is just about my interior life. It's just about what I think about, what I'm doing. But it, it, preparing to forgive is the interior stuff. Forgiving is the actual public or semi-public declaration. I forgive you. You have heard me. You have done this thing. I've explained the pain. I now forgive you. Thank you for apologising. That's the, uh, the key thing. And it's an event that we may have to remind ourselves of again and again. Another easy mistake is to think that forgiveness means there are no consequences. Uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that. Forgiveness is, the, is step two in four. There's all sorts of issues to do with reconciliation. How do you trust the person, depending on the sin, whether, whether you could trust them again for that? If they're in a leadership role, could you leave them in the leadership role? Well, no, maybe not. That's not appropriate. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. There's all sorts of consequences that flow. Uh, you know, if someone's committed a crime, not just against you, but which is again in the, in the society, then there may be a jail term to serve. There's all sorts of consequences flow. And we don't need to have a kind of a, a simplistic view of, oh, well, I've forgiven them, therefore there's nothing happens after that. Sometimes nothing happens after that other than a rejoicing, we're forgiven together. But other times there's enormous complications. And then the last thing to say, the beauty of forgiveness. I want to say it like that because in my own experience, when I've been forgiven, it is such a beautiful thing to receive. And when I've granted forgiveness, despite the deathly, death-to-self kind of experience, it is such a beautiful thing to be restored back into relationship. God forgives us. And when we're challenged to forgive or when someone asks us forgiveness... It's a beautiful reminder of God's forgiveness to us. And boy, oh boy, that's a great thing to just remember in, in deep, profound ways that, that impact us in our lives. It grants new life to the person. The pain of sin, sinning against God, of sinning against others, to have that released is such a beautiful thing in your life. Those of you who know deeply of what I'm speaking about will just go, that's my story. It was true for God and it's true in this relationship but true in that relationship. It's a beautiful thing when we're forgiven and when we're back in relationship with people. There's new, new life for the person and for the relationship. And so by acknowledging our sin, by repenting, by giving and receiving forgiveness and reconciling and restoring, it builds authentic community. Because we're not pretending. We're not, we're not mucking around with this stuff. We take sin seriously. We take repentance seriously. We take the declaration of forgiveness. And it models God in our lives. It is a beautiful thing. It's a lovely thing for us to walk in and to experience together. We're going to just take a little time now, back in your same groups, just a minute or two, just to reflect on the things you've been reading, the things you've been hearing, and pray about this stuff for yourselves, for our church, 
Give thanks to God for what he's done. Uh, whatever you uh, feel like doing, we'll just take a minute or two. Thanks. And I'll get my crutch while I'm waiting.